Chapter 26 The sweet smells of cotton candy drifting in a pervasive breeze, the warmth and illumination of the sun permeating down from the heavens upon a human sea, clowns prancing in flamboyant garb with their faces happily distorted with brightly hued paint, neon lights flashing in exuberant brilliance as the mechanized rides spin and swoop, the exhilarated screams of their cargo emerging forcibly through the blanket of casual conversation, mingling with the cries and giggles of children, the clanging of gears, and the bellowing of boisterous vendors. For Jennifer, the thrill of a county fair was vexed by anxiety and sensory overload. The stimuli flooded her brain until it seemed to be jittering about within her skull. The overwhelming sensations caused her psyche to retreat into a shell of protection that was both a shelter and a prison. The thrill of the fair was not accompanied by the customary joy. It was nearly traumatic. It was a contradiction that she had learned to tolerate since childhood. Young Jennifer never responded to these situations like most children. She did not scamper to the next ride nor mingle freely in the crowd, choosing instead to cling to her father, an action her mother chose to chastise rather than understand. Jennifer's sensory dysfunction was mild in comparative cases. Had it ever been properly diagnosed, she would have recognized it as the root of her anxiety disorder. No one had ever made the connection. She was the victim of the error of her birth and her inability to communicate what she was experiencing. She did not suffer from autism, so the problem was overlooked. Jennifer located a lone bench beneath a tree away from the bustle of the midway, where she sat down in the cool shade. The canopy of leaves helped to supply her imaginary protective shell with substance. She eased out of breath and relaxed a little, watching the people as they passed in the distance. They strode slowly along the field of grass, chatting to one another, a small child chased after a runaway plastic ball from a nearby game of chance. A towering biker dressed in jeans and a denim jacket walked with a woman under his arm, his hand thrust deep inside her jeans, exposing a tattoo on her lower back. A middle-aged man walked beside an empty stroller that he was pushing with one hand, attempting to look detached from the evidence of his domestication. They passed before her sight, and then disappeared into the periphery. The crowd gradually thinned to a few dozen, their numbers dwindling as they walked out of her range of sight. As they, final remaining merrymakers, faded from her sight, she spied a lone elderly man walking gingerly with a cane, his feet shuffling across the grass. Jennifer rose from the bench and approached him. Excuse me, sir. Could you tell me where the carousel is? He raised his head between slumping shoulders. The horses bring you around the circle to the same spot, but things still change faces are always different. Not always enough to notice, but different. Do you ride it for pleasure or purpose? <laughs> I like to try to grab the brass ring. He shook his head with a discerning smile. Always for a purpose. That's why we do not recognize miracles, always obsessing over our need for them, searching for the forest and overlooking the trees. He peered up at Jennifer through squinting eyes, his skin coarse yet ruddy. His eyes twinkled in mirth beneath bushy brows. And did you capture this ring? Yes, once I did. And what did you do with it? Well, I gave it back. Precisely, he blurted. They grab it, but they never keep it. Jennifer cast a squinting glance from left to right. Is the carousel still here? Bell, horses, bell, horses, what time of day? One o'clock, two o'clock, three and away. Gone, dear miss, the horses have run and the brass rings have rust. 
The old man pressed his hand with hers. We can only go round once, sweetheart. If you focus too much on the ring, you'll miss the rouse of the ride. Jennifer looked around to see the dormant fairgrounds. The rides were motionless, with the seats and trains poised on their tracks. The lot was now abandoned. Autumn leaves scurried across the ground like children left out to play, scraping and crackling upon the ground as their laughter. She turned back to the old man. Then, is there nothing to do here? Sure there is. The wet of his eyes twinkled. When everyone's asleep in the morning, the sun still rises. And if no one attends the fair, the show must go on. I believe I saw a game of chance down, down that way. He pointed an outstretched bony finger down a long aisle of empty gaming stands. The row stretched on both left and right as far as she could see. Some stands were tents that ruffled in the wind. Some were old weathered shacks with canopies. I, I, I don't have any money with me, Jennifer uttered. Money's not good here, dear miss. Only time. He patted a gentle hand against her cheek. You go and have a good time. With a contented smile, he turned and shuffled away. His voice carried back with the wind in a sing-song chant. The brass ring turns back in on itself to remind us of all the redundancy of wealth. Jennifer smiled after him and then turned in the direction of the game. The path between the stands was narrow, the breadth of two men shoulder to shoulder. Jennifer followed the dancing leaves as they slid across the ground, guiding her steps. She could hear the faint sound of a Wurlitzer and the chant of a carney as he called out, in earnest for patrons to try their luck. Step right up! This is not a game of chance. Everyone's a winner! The shouting voice was easily recognizable. Once again, there he was. Nicholas. The words slipped past Jennifer's lips, leaving them with a residual smile. So this is what you do in your spare time. Nicholas leaned on the counter of his game booth. His impish grin enunciated his fun. Behind him, the walls were plastered with stuffed animals, large, fluffy, and colorful. Well, if it isn't my favorite attraction, the world's most beautiful redhead. So you've come to take your chances with me. <laughs> that depends. Jennifer dropped her chin and gazed up with unblinking eyes. What's your game? The game is simple. Throw the ring around the heart and you have won. Nicholas waved his hand and displaying a heart-shaped statuette. He waved his other hand and three small rings appeared in his fist. I love a man with good hands, Jennifer teased. If I do it, what do I win? Any prize you see before you, your host included. Hmm, I'm tempted. She leaned in until her lips were nearly brushing his. Tempt me more. You could win the gift of my heart, the gift of my undying love, and several sweet consolation prizes, to be named later. Before Nicholas could kiss her, Jennifer slid to the right. Okay, I'll toss. She snatched the rings from his hand and leaned back, eyeing the distance to the heart. The first ring she deliberately threw too hard as it smacked against the wall of stuffed animals and fell to the ground. She chewed her lower lip with a widening of her eyes, innocuous. I'm sorry, my aim is just a little rusty. She threw the next ring short of the intended target. Hmm, darn. I only have one ring left. Would you like me to move the heart closer? Nicholas inquired. We have to play fair, Nicholas. Rough, but fair. 
She could sense his discomfort in the air. She had flustered him. His entire being was wrapped about her finger. His body language told of his ravenous desire to embrace her. But was he ripe for the picking yet? No. This was too much fun. Maybe, she uttered. I should be happy to keep the ring. After all, what could a carny provide that would actually impress me? I can offer you salvation. I can make your body burn cool and your spirit soar. I will show you the bluest sky against fields of fresh daisies and wrap it up for you with every sweet memory that has ever passed through your mind. His eyes softened. I can make you happy again, Jennifer. The passion in his speech took Jennifer by surprise. Her chest heaved in his direction, drawn to the magnet of his presence and longing for his touch. Thousands of butterflies had taken flight within the confines of her stomach. The moment had gone beyond words as she tossed the final ring over the heart. Their eyes locked. I guess you win, Nicholas managed nearly breathless. It made me feel alive again. I want to thank you for that. Jennifer moved closer to him. Taking his hand in hers, the feeling of his touch lightened her spirit and sent pulses of pleasure rolling beneath her skin. You make me feel warm and wonderful. I want to feel more. Nicholas gently patted her hand. I have something special for you. Something for you to hold when I cannot be with you. Nicholas reached under the counter and withdrew a pure white Labrador puppy. A bright bow tied about the cotton fur of his neck. Oh my god, he's so cute. Jennifer accepted the gift from Nicholas and kissed the puppy's head. She rubbed her cheek against his downy fur. The pup licked her face with enthusiasm. It appears he likes you as much as I do. What's his name? Thought I'd leave that up to you. He's your friend now. Well, Jennifer curled up one corner of her mouth. He's white. It's not about Casper. She ruffled the puppy's ear. Do you like Casper? Nicholas smiled. Casper the friendly ghost. It's far more suitable than you realize. Jennifer kissed Casper's head and then returned her attention to Nicholas. Thank you. He's a wonderful gift. Walk with me, Jennifer. Nicholas climbed over the counter and took her hand, interlocking his fingers in hers. Show me what you have in your mind. I want to know everything about you. Jennifer and Nicholas strode along the empty fairgrounds for what seemed like hours. They walked between the lumber and steel structures of the still rides. The poised branches of the tall maple trees along the fairway cascaded their blessings down upon the couple. The wind brushed back the fallen leaves from their path. Casper's tiny legs worked swiftly to keep the pace with the couple's casual stroll across the downtrodden grass. Jennifer gripped Nicholas's hand, becoming distracted by the incredibly soft touch of his skin. Jennifer's hand clutched the corner of her pillow as she awoke in her bed. The silky pillowcase slipped from her palm as she sat up and stared at the far wall. She felt an ache in her heart upon the realization of her fate. The fair, the poppy, Nicholas were all merely a dream, a short film compliments of her imagination, and a story that ended, but failed to conclude. She was peacefully relaxed despite feeling heartsick. She considered looking at the alarm clock by her bed to check the time, but why bother? Days passed like minutes, and minutes like years. Her stomach rumbled in protest of its emptiness. She rose from the bed and descended to the staircase. Halfway down the stairs, the feeling subsided into a mild craving for tea. Easier to make, less mess, she thought. She entered the kitchen and was greeted by a white puppy, complete with a bow. Jennifer froze. 
She cast a quick glance at the back door to see if it was ajar. Shut and locked. She looked down at the puppy, now wagging his tail wildly and whimpering for attention. Jennifer slowly knelt down and picked him up in her arms. How'd you get in here? Following a thoughtful pause, the gravity of the situation arrived. Holy shit, you're... Holy shit! Jennifer licked her lips dry. Her mind worked frantically to find a reasonable explanation for the puppy's presence. Dear God, Casper, if you're real, then... Jennifer stepped back, her eyes darting from right to left. Hello? Is anyone in here? Silence was deafening. Someone or something could be loose in the house. Despite the absurdity of the thought, Jennifer uttered the name. Nicholas? A faint groan from the heating pipes beneath the house caused her to flinch, gripping Casper tighter. She was in need of some form of protection, a weapon. She shifted Casper under her left arm and reached for the utility drawer where the large knives were kept. Despite a moderate tug, the drawer slipped from its track, nearly falling out onto the ground. The metal inside rattled and clanged together as she struggled to keep it balanced. She propped it up with her knee and quickly retrieved a knife before shoving the drawer back into the cabinet. She'll never fix anything in this house, she thought in frustration. She squatted down on the floor near the entrance to the dining room, her back pressed against the wall. Holding her weapon in front of her, she noticed it was a serrated bread knife. It would have to do. She needed to search the house, and she refused to do it empty-handed. A deep breath was released to help quell her rising anxiety. She rose to her feet and began stepping quietly from the kitchen. In her years in the house, she had never noticed how much the floorboards creaked. The sound was unsettling. The old house possessed noises of its own accord, and she did not like it. The knife in her palm quickly became slick with nervous perspiration. The dining room was empty, all but the furniture. The windows all securely locked. She made her way into the living room, thrusting the knife into the curtains before using it to pull them back. All was clear, but there was still the coat closet. She placed Casper gently onto the floor and made her way across the room. Gripping the handle, she prepared herself. She turned the knob slowly till she felt the latch spring free from the frame. With one final deep breath, she flung the door open, holding the knife higher above her head, ready at any given second to stab Coates. <sighs> Casper wandered over and curiously sniffed at her ankles. His cold, wet nose tickled her, calming her fears. She picked him up and searched the upstairs for reassurance. The puppy was small, but his presence relieved her. Certainly, if someone was in the house with them, he'd respond in some manner. When she was satisfied with her search, she entered the living room and sat down on the reclining chair as she attempted to rationalize the situation. I have dreams about a man whom I've never met. She spoke aloud to Casper. And in those dreams, he gives me gifts, including you. You came from my dreams. The gourmet coffee must have come from my dream also. So you're either a physical manifestation of my subconscious or... She paused as a solitary tear ran down her cheek. I've gone completely insane. Half of her was overwhelmed with excitement about what could be the ultimate supernatural discovery. The other half was terrified beyond comprehension. She plopped Casper to the floor and dashed for the bathroom to vomit.